Crossroads. Thank you for joining us here this morning. If you're in the auditorium, we thank you for being here. For those of you watching online, please drop a comment and let us know that you're with us this morning. If you're in the building, would you please stand and worship? Yeah. 
Would you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you, Lord, for this time that we have to to worship you, Lord, to come together, Lord, to, to just be together as your church. Um, Lord, we're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for Jesus. And uh, God, what a, what a privilege it is to sing to you, to give back to you all that you've given to us, Lord. We love you so much in your name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning, church. Good to be with you. Good to be with you online. I just want to say welcome. Welcome to our guests in the house as well. Uh, if you are hanging out with us this morning, you're, you're one of our guests. We're just want, we just want to say welcome. Please find us at the Welcome Center. We want to give you something to say thank you for visiting. Thank you for being a guest here at Crossroads this morning. It's a, it's a good day to be alive. We're thankful for what he's doing. We're thankful, you know, when we can say there's no one like you. There is no one like you. Can we thank God there was no one like Jesus? There was no one like him. We can be thankful for that truth. Listen, guys, we have a, a, a bunch of things coming up because we are, we're just, we're, we're rolling. You know, God is doing something here and we're just continuing to move forward. So one of the things I want to share with you is we have our car cruise on Tuesday I'm from 5 to 9. So come on up and enjoy a good, good night with wonderful people. And there's some, listen. If you have an opportunity to come up, there's some awesome cars, and there's people with those cars. They have great stories and an awesome time of connection. There's some awesome food available in the gym. And then this Friday, the 27th, we're going to be having a watch party for our very own Eric McElvenny, uh, who is competing in the Paralympics. And so uh, we're going to be gathering over at the, uh, the Straight Street building for some, the old high school building over in South Park. And so the address is on the screen. We'll also throw that up on our website. But uh, the race starts at 5.30, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll open the doors at 5 o'clock. And so we're looking forward to just cheering on our very own Eric. So be praying for Eric and be praying for his teammates. Be praying for our team over in Tokyo. And uh, we're just looking forward to a great time to cheer one of our very own on. What a, what a privilege. Isn't that cool? We have one of our own. It's like, listen, I know somebody that's in the Paralympics. It's not often you say that. And so it's just really cool being able to celebrate what Eric's doing. And then our fall kickoff for our Wednesday nights is going to be on the 8th. And so for our children's ministry, student ministry, uh, which is uh, for, for middle school, is going to be kicking off on the 8th. And then uh, also our men's and women's groups are going to be kicking off on the 8th. And so uh, we are looking for people to join the children's ministry and the student ministry team. So if you are uh, interested or want to know informa more information, you can stop by and talk to Kim and Chrissy in the lobby. They'd love to connect with you and talk about joining the Canopy Kids team and serving on Wednesday nights. And if you are interested in serving on the Wednesday nights or Sunday nights uh, for high school, uh, please come talk to me. We'd love to, to, I'd love to connect with you and share about what's happening with our student ministry. So lots of opportunities, but we're looking forward to the kicking off on the 8th. Uh, we have our Next Steps meeting coming up on September 19th. So this is for those who are looking to make Crossroads their home and becoming a member here at Crossroads. So you can sign up online or here in the building and stop by the Welcome Center for more information. That's going to be our next steps. And then a week prior, there's going to be our baby dedication on September 12th. Uh, you can you can you can dedicate your child uh, or your baby. And so please go to our website and you can find more information about that. But we're looking forward to wrapping around these families as they dedicate their children to the Lord. Would you guys pray with me as we continue on? God, thanks for uh, all these things that we're talking about on our calendar. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just a, a busy church, uh, God, not just because we're trying to do a bunch of random things, God, but because we are trying to just grow. We're trying to meet together, uh, hang out together, uh, God. We're trying to grow uh, together towards you. And so, Lord, uh, this morning as we open up your word, as, uh, as Pastor Ken comes and shares uh, from your word this morning, uh, God, would we 
be challenged? Would we be, would we be encouraged, uh, Lord, by your word, and that we would be reminded that you are the shepherd, Lord. You are the good shepherd that watches, that protects, that guides us. God, we love you, and we thank you for Jesus. In his powerful name we pray. Amen.
powerful song, Let It Be Today, that we sing our hymn of heaven. Amen? We've got something to praise and thank God. Let's thank God for who He is. What a great God we serve, man. The, uh, the promise and hope of heaven is just incredible. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you would be in prayer, just for a few things. Before we jump into our message here today, we have uh, one of our people in the church has experienced a, a great loss this week, and I want you to pray for them. You know, when I'm singing a song like that, the hope of heaven, there will be a, uh, there'll be a, 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 there's no other day but the hope of heaven. That is what I'm all about, is the hope of heaven. I want to encourage you to think about the hope of heaven, especially when you think of the Shadle family today. Because the Shadle family has, uh, Tom and Sherry Shadle have been part of this church for more than probably over 30 years. And uh, they lost a son this week, 22 years old, in a car accident on Friday night. Samuel Shadle uh, went to be with the Lord Friday night, suddenly in a car accident on Route 79. And so um, he, the viewing will be this Thursday, I'm sorry, Tuesday from 2 to 4 and 6 to 8 down here at Kegels. And then uh, we'll have a service here at 11 o'clock on Wednesday morning. So uh, if you know them, I want to encourage you to reach out to them and, uh, and just love on them because it's, uh, it's going to be an incredibly hard season for them. But thanks be to God, we have the promise of heaven. Amen? And that's what keeps us moving forward is God has this. He has eternity in mind and everything that he's doing. God has the plan. And so today I want to also ask you to pray, if you would, with me. Uh, a lot of things have been happening in our world. In Haiti last week, on Saturday, on, yeah, it was Saturday last week, Haiti had uh, an earthquake. And so uh, I want to ask you to pray for our missionaries in Haiti. We have uh, a number of people um, that we've been praying for down there on our missions list. We've been praying for them. So I want to ask you to pray for those missionaries down there. We received one letter already from one of our missionaries. He said that he, him and his congregation are fine, but many people around him are suffering. He talked about his aunt alone. One of his aunts, got uh, the, her feet was taken off by this thing. So she lost both of her feet from the earthquake, from the debris falling and hitting her. And so, you know, there's... Uh, widespread damage and now they're dealing with hurricanes and it just seems to be one after another down there so i want you to pray for our brothers and sisters in haiti then also in afghanistan you know uh you've been watching this play out on the news and on the media and it's just overwhelming we can't even begin to think what that would be like to be in that environment right now and i want to ask you to pray because god has a remnant everywhere his people are all over the all over the world in every tribe and every language. There are people who love God and are called according to His purposes. And I was reading about one pastor in Afghanistan. You know, in Afghanistan, you can't have an open church like we do here. It's against the law to be a Christian in Afghanistan. And I was reading about one pastor as he's working with the underground groups. He said that uh, obviously they're facing tremendous uh, persecution, tremendous fear. He said, but we, our prayer is that God will send a great revival. And, and I thought, boy, you know what? In, in America, we pray for the relief, don't we? We pray for, oh, that, uh, that, that, that you know, it would get better. They're praying for a revival, that souls would come to know Jesus. And so I'm gonna, let's go to the Lord in prayer for, for Afghanistan, for Haiti, for our world here, for the Shadow family. And let's lift these people up before the Lord, shall we? Father God, we come before you, Lord, and I just thank you for all that you're doing around the world, Lord. Right now, God, we lift up some of these needs. We know that you're working, but God, our hearts are broken as we see devastation in so many ways, so much brokenness that we live through on this earth. And we are so thankful 
as we have just sung, we have the hope, we have the promise of heaven because of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you today for the Shadle family. I ask that you'll put your hand upon the Shadles, Lord, um, for Tom and Sherry. And uh, I just ask that you'll be with, his, with Samuel's four other brothers and sisters, Lord. I just pray that you'll put your hand upon them and uh, your presence would be made known in their heart right now in a very powerful way. Lord, I thank you that Samuel is in eternity with you. But uh, for their family, Lord, we know this is, is heavy and, and, and beyond um, comprehension, Lord. So we, we, we don't know what to think, but we know that you're in charge. And we're trusting you and we're holding your hand every step of the day, Lord. Uh, God, I pray for, for Afghanistan, for the scene that we have seen this week, Lord. As, uh, we just watch a, co- a country implode and we watch uh, devastation. We watch people trying to escape. God, we know that it's, uh, it, it's horrific. It's the ultimate of brokenness. But, God, I pray that with those pastors over there, those, those pastors that are part of the remnant over there that, are, that were your, your blood purchased souls in Afghanistan, Lord, I pray that more and more souls will come to know you in Afghanistan. Lord, for Haiti, with, with, the, with the devastation that they're facing, God, we just pray for a great revival around our globe. Uh, work in Afghanistan, work in Haiti. Lord, use us here in our little world here in western Pennsylvania. Use us for your honor and glory. And we lift up all these needs before you because you said to come and pray about everything. And we thank you, Lord, and we know that you're at work. And I ask that you'll just uh, work with us, Lord. Help us as we walk with you and hold your, stand every step, uh, hold your hand every step of the way. In your name we pray. Amen. We've been going through the book of Mark. We're looking at the remarkable Jesus. Who is this remarkable Jesus? Uh, Many people have an idea of who Jesus is. Many people think, well, he was a good teacher. He was a good person. He was a good man. Jesus himself, last week we looked, he asked, who do people say that I am? And they started telling him, well, you're John the Baptist. Well, you're Elijah. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say that you're just a good prophet. You have great teaching. And then he says, who do you say that I am? And that was the changer. That was the game changer. Who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. And Jesus says, you're right. That's it. That's who I am. And, and, and so he says, don't tell anybody because it wasn't time for him to go to the cross. And then he pulls his disciples together. And this is where we left off last week. He began to teach them. He pulls, uh, pulls the disciples together and he gets them with the crowd now so he had been talking privately to them now he's talking to the crowd and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders actually right here he's only talking to the 12 he's telling to the 12 that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priest and the scribes and be killed and after three days that he would rise again so the 12 are, sit, are, are sitting there and they're listening to him. They're not, they're not familiar with this type of talk. They saw that Jesus was healing. They saw that he was the Messiah. This is all good. Guns are blazing. We are in this new movement. Uh, and they, they're on the ground level. And Jesus now says the Son of Man. He's referring to himself. It's a title from the book of Daniel. I believe chapter 7 talks about the Son of Man. Prophecies of the Son of Man that would come. He's referring to himself from that prophecy in Daniel chapter 7. That the Son of Man must suffer many things. 
And, and, you know, when you just read that, you look and say, oh, yeah, Jesus had to suffer. No, no, no. Jesus is saying something here. He says the Son of Man must suffer. He's saying that his suffering is imperative. And I want you to catch this because Jesus must suffer. He must suffer. And when you think about that, why does Jesus have to suffer in order to save us? Why did Jesus, what, what, why was it so necessary that he suffers? He says that he, and like, he didn't have to put the word must there. I looked in multiple translations. It's in the Greek. It says he must suffer so that he has to suffer. And so I want you to think about this. Suffering, uh, for Jesus to suffer, he didn't come and say, you know what, I've come, then I'll go to the cross. Yes, he said he's going to go to the cross, but he said, I must suffer many things and go to the cross. He's saying it is absolute necessity that I suffer. And what is necessary for suffering? Uh, why is it necessary that he suffers? Number one, I want you to see, it was that we needed Jesus to suffer out of a personal necessity. And he said, well, wait a minute, what do you mean that we needed Jesus to suffer? Well, let me explain a little bit about love here, Okay. There, uh, there was a, 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 a theologian by the name of William Vanstone. He wrote a book on love, and he has one chapter entitled The Phenomenology of Love. Don't you love that title? That's pretty cool. Phenomenology. Do, 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 right? The Phenomenology of Love. And so he's talking about, hey, listen, that, that we can't even truly comprehend love. You say, well, wait a minute. Of course I know what love is. Well, here's what he says. He says that all human beings, even people who from childhood were deprived of love, know the difference between false and true love, between fake and authentic love. Hmm. He continues on. He says that, hey, listen, here's, here's what true love is. Uh, I'm sorry, here's what false love. He says, let me explain false love. And so first of all, false, false love, I'm going to look at this for you here. I have the slide next there. False love is, this is whenever you aim to, to get your fulfillment from somebody else. I aim to give, so in other words, you can fulfill my needs. I'll love you if you'll fulfill my needs. I'll give to you as long as you give back to me. And that's what we know as false love. Sadly, that's how many people love in our world today. They love with condition. I love you as long as you make me happy. Um, I love you as long as you cook and clean. I, long, I love you as long as you get a really good job. And so we have all these things that we put on people. They're conditions that we love. And what happens is we only love and we only give love as long as that person is affirming us and meeting our needs. Jesus must suffer. Why? Because love, and I'm going to show you this. Uh, true love, and true love, let's look at what true love is. True love is when you aim to spend yourself and use yourself for the happiness of others. Your greatest joy is that other person's joy. Therefore, your affection is unconditional. So, so you're not coming to somebody and you're not saying, I'll love you as long as you like me. They may not even like you and you still can love them. And, but but here's, here's the problem. This becomes very vulnerable. This makes you a very vulnerable person. Like, I'm going to love. I'm going to risk being hurt because I can love you and you cannot love me back. You spend everything. You hold nothing back. You give it all away. And that's what true love is. Whenever I love you, whether you've loved me back or not. He continues on. And, and this th particular theologian says this. He says that our real problem is that nobody is actually fully capable of giving that true love. 
We desperately want it, but we can't give it. Like everybody wants to be loved unconditionally, but somewhere along the line, we can't give it. Like, like you, you, you want to be loved that way, but you only love because somebody loves you back. And so, so this is the real problem with love. So it's like you, you're, what you're lacking, we, we don't have this full capacity in and of ourselves to do that. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrongs. That, I mean, did you like that part about love? That's easy when you want somebody to love you like that. Now, how about whenever you have to love somebody like that? Keep no record of their wrongs. Well, easy for you to say. No. That's what God says. And you know what? That's how God loves us. He doesn't keep a, God doesn't keep a record of my wrong. Because under the blood, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for my sin. And so God is patient with me. God is kind with me. Um, uh, suffers long. Wow. God suffers long. He's patient with me. Uh, and, you know, and that's what God's called us to live in our life with other people. So we can't live without love. We, you can't live without love. The very thing. You're driving your whole life to be loved like this. And so what happens is you go, you love somebody, and it doesn't work. They're not loving you back that way. And so it's, it's a, a constant cycle. It keeps going back and forth. We can't live without love. The very thing that we're looking for, you have to have. Love is like having... You know, we have to have love. It's like having oxygen. If you don't have love, you can't live. And so we're striving to get this unconditional love from people. And what we end up happening, what ends up happening is that we look for love in all the wrong places. Did you ever hear that phrase somewhere out there? You go looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, I want to encourage you. You have relationships in your life. You have spouses. You have children. You have uh, people all around you. And, and I'm not talking about an, an unhealthy relationship. I'm talking about being healthy. I'm not talking about going into an abusive situation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the basic meaning of love. Understanding that love is when I give to you and I don't expect anything in return. I, I'll just give you a little example here. Let's just say I were to do something around the house. Whatever it is, you know, you could do something. Cut the grass. You could clean the dishes. Do whatever. And if I did it only so that I could get uh, accolades, okay, I want you to know that you'll be frustrated. That will happen in your house. Like, if you go cut the grass and you're hoping that your wife will say, hey, the grass looks really nice, you will probably be 50% of the time let down. Maybe 10% of the time let down. Sometime you'll be let down. Unless you, you know, you may be married to Wonder Woman. And she always says thank you all the time. Or your husband always says thank you to you all the time. You may be married to Superman. Listen, there's no perfect marriages out there. There's, no, there's none of us that love unconditionally. So what happens is if I'm coming to you to get that love and I'm going to all the wrong places, I'm not getting that unconditional love acceptance from a human relationship i can only get that from god so we start looking for love in all the wrong places and in the meantime god is the only one who has that love god's love for us is perfect so when he says that he must suffer he's suffering and he's truly loving you whether or not you love him back he's keeping no record he died on the cross all the record was taken care of at the cross your sin 
has separated you from an eternal God. But he said, I'm going to take care of that. I'm coming to the cross. And when he died on the cross, he offers you eternal life. And I'm so thankful today that I, as a believer who's walking in Christ, am not being loved with strings attached. I am being loved by my Creator and uh, with an incredibly vulnerable love. You see, if I love you and get nothing back, I take a risk. And so God says, I'm going to love you, and I realize that you can't even compete with my love. Like, I can't go to the cross. I can't do what he did for me, right? So God's love is perfect love, and it's a radically vulnerable love. And so when you start to understand that, that this is who he is, you want to begin to experience that. And so what you've got to do is you've got to come to God. He says that he must suffer so that you can live. He must suffer many things. He was going to die, and and this was the first time he predicted his death, burial, and resurrection. They didn't want to have it. Last week we looked at how Peter just said, come on, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 you cannot. That's your agenda, not my agenda. You've got to follow my agenda, Peter. I I have something bigger. And see, Peter's like, no, don't make a sacrifice like that. That's far too great a sacrifice. Did you ever do something for somebody and they say, oh, you shouldn't have done that? You know, like, you know, like, um, okay, my mom's not in here, so I can say this, you know. I'll go over and, and, and do something at my mom's house. She'll, she'll always say, you shouldn't do that. You don't have to do that. I'm like, mom, you're my mom. Yes, I have to do this. Not because I have to, but because you're my mom. And, and because I want to, like, I, you know. And I feel guilty I didn't do it last week. That's why I'm here. No, I'm just kidding. But it's like, you know, you go over and you fix things. You do things for your parents because you love them, not because your mom's going to give you money. Like, who goes and fixes their mom's house because your mom's going to give, you know, not, unless you're in high school, okay? But, like, if, if you're in adult life, you don't go in your adult life to your mom or your dad's house and say, okay, mom, I cut the grass. That'll be $20. You don't do it for that. You do it because you love your mom. You do it because you love your family. And so you, you, you give to them and you don't expect anything in return. That's how God loves us. He gives to us and doesn't expect anything in, re- in return. As a matter of fact, when you start to experience this, you're able to start to love that way. Loved people love people. You catch that? You've been loved by God, so once you have been loved and you understand that you're loved, now you love others. Say that with me. Loved people love people. Try that again. Loved people love people. Like, that's the only way. See, I I cannot love you until I've got that love first, until I have first accepted that love that comes from God. He demonstrated, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did it on the cross. One young woman writes it like this. She says, a major issue in my life has been people-pleasing. You know, if you're trying to please people, you'll never be happy. You'll actually be worn out. You'll be exhausted. You'll say, man, this is overwhelming. Why can't people just be happy with me? If I do this, I want somebody to be happy. If I do that, oh, that person didn't notice me today. That person didn't say thank you. This lady went through that. A major issue in my life has been people-pleasing, she says. I needed approval to be liked, to be admired, to be accepted. But for the first time, I was able to see how important it was that I identified with Christ. 
with His love that has enabled me to set up emotional boundaries with people that I never could before. This has enabled me to love my friends and family for who they are and not seek more from them. Because I can find, because I can find whatever is lacking in my life, I can find that in Christ. It's been a huge relief to finally feel free enough to love people and know that in Christ I am safe and protected and that protecting myself or standing up for myself is okay. Uh, listen, when you know that you have been loved by God... Now, I don't have to go to you for my acceptance. You don't have to go to your spouse for your approval. You don't go to your kids. You know, how many times have we wished our kids would respond in a way? You know, when, you're, when you took your kids and they were little and you did something with them, you want them to respond in a way that you could feel that love, and, man, it didn't go so well. Uh, maybe you let your kids down. You know, we're human. We're going to let our kids down. It's okay. Wait a minute. What do you mean it's okay? But my kid's unhappy. You know, see, this is what's happening in the world in which we live right now. Everybody is saying, we can't let anybody cry. And, 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 and so we, we just keep giving them candy and they'll be quiet and keep giving them candy. They'll be happy and we keep going to the higher heights. And in the meantime, what that kid is not looking, the kid is not looking for all those things that we're substituting. He's looking for love and unconditional acceptance. He wants to know that he's okay no matter what's happening in his life. He wants to know that when things are bad, he's okay. He wants to know when things are good, he's okay. He needs that, that security of love. And you see, that security of love only comes from Jesus. Jesus is the only one who will give you that security of love. And when he lays down that security of love in your life, you no longer have to go out and you no longer have to uh, try and get somebody else's approval. You don't have to get somebody else's um, love. You don't have to look for love in all the wrong places. He must suffer, he says. He, he continues on. He must suffer. Well, why else would he suffer? Well, he must suffer out of a legal necessity. Listen, I want you to think about this. If somebody comes to your house and uh, you have a friend over and they, they accidentally smash your lamp. You have a lamp in your, in your living room and it costs $100. And he talks with his hands like I do. And he knocks your lamp over and it's in a thousand pieces. You have an option. You can say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, the guy can say, I'm sorry, I'll pay for it. Or you can say, I'm sorry, don't worry about it. Or you can say, $100, please. That'll be $100. Like, you owe, you broke my lamp. And, and so well, here's what happens. Just from that transaction that happens, somebody has to pay. You see, because there's a cost to forgiveness. Um, with a $100 lamp, if I broke your $100 lamp, there's a cost to forgiveness, is there not? So either I pay the $100, I broke the lamp, and I pay you the $100, or you forgive me and you say, okay, you're paying the $100. You already paid it. You're going to buy another lamp. You say, well, I really want a new one anyhow, right? So you go out and you spend another $100 on the lamp. Somebody has to pay. So when forgive, forgiveness comes and so somebody has to end up paying I, I want you to think about this how about when you've had injustice happen somebody has wronged you there's been something that you know that they wronged you maybe it was intentional maybe it was unintentional but they wronged you and you're sitting here and you're saying hmm, i'm not moving this is the way it is as a matter of fact i'm mad at you and you just keep you keep living in, in this you can destroy. What you can do is you can destroy the other person's opportunity. You can ruin their reputation. 
You can hurt them in many powerful ways. And, and when you start to do that, you become like them. The, the very person who hurts you, you start hurting them back. And I'm going to isolate you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to, you know, this and this and that. I'm going to talk bad about you and do all these things. And well, what happens is you're not forgiving. You're becoming like the person that hurts you. And so you haven't paid the cost. You're trying to make them pay the cost. You think they're paying the cost. Well, really, you're, you're hurting more at the end of the day. So, so then, then you come along and then maybe you decide and you say, all right, I'm not going to let evil win. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to suffer the pain of forgiveness. You know, there, there is pain in forgiveness. Whenever you say, I'm sorry, how many husbands are natural at saying, I'm sorry? Don't raise your hands. You know, I, I remember the fawns. That was my hero growing up, you know, the fawns. He never said, I'm sorry. He was like, I'm so oh, oh, sorry, you know. He couldn't say, I love you. He couldn't say, I'm sorry. Those were like hard words. Listen, love is, man, I'm going to say, I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah, I've hurt you. I, I have offended you. I'm going to come and I'm going to say, I'm sorry. And whenever I come and admit that I've done wrong... That is a hard part. See, that is the pain of forgiveness. And so whenever I, have, whenever I forgive you, you've offended me. So if you've come and offended me and I forgive you and I no longer hold you hostage, I, you're no longer, you, you know, there's a pain there because I want you to pay. I want you to pay bad. Everybody does. That's natural. It's just ingrained. You've been hurt. You want to hurt them back. Loved people love people. Hurt people, hurt people. So God's saying, listen, I want you to be loved. I want you to understand you are loved by me, loved by God. The Son of Man must suffer many things. That's what he did for us. God did that for us on the cross. And I want you to remember this morning that sin always has a penalty. There's always a penalty to sin. Uh, the, The penalty for sin was taken care of at the cross. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. And so the cost of forgiveness for your sin, for the penalty of of your sin, was when Jesus gave his life on the cross. Sin always has a penalty in your life. If you're living your life and you're saying, all right, I'm going to do my own thing, I want you to know that while there's not a permanent penalty because you have been, your price has been paid in full at the cross, there's still relational penalties. And there's things that we break and we harm, and it's like, man, we never are able to put this thing back together because that sin has a penalty. And so through that sin, we've, we have to like ask God for his healing and his protection as we continue to move forward. But I want, I want, to, I want to encourage you to understand the necessity, like the world, the entire globe. It was necessary that Jesus come and suffer Here's why. Because over in Hebrews 9.22, the Scriptures tell us, without the shedding of blood, read it with me, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. None. If Jesus would have just came to this earth and lived and died, there would be no forgiveness of sins. The Son of Man must suffer. Hebrews here tells us, the shedding of blood... It was ugly. It was brutal. Isaiah 53 said that he would be beaten beyond recognition. That's what he did. So there must be suffering. And that is the pain of forgiveness. And so when Jesus came to this earth, he died on the cross and he paid for your sins. And over there in verse 35, we'll go back one slide here. 
uh, he says this. He says that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. You know, those were the people that were known as the good guys. Today, whenever I say Pharisee, you, you go, ooh, they're the villains in the story, right? Did you ever call somebody a Pharisee in your house? Under your breath? Pharisee. Okay, I guess that's only in what I call somebody, right? Oh, they're a Pharisee, you know? Listen, uh, Pharisees in that day, they were good guys. Like, the Pharisees saw the law of God, and they said, we don't want you to break it. So we're going to add ten more rules on top of it so you won't come close to breaking God's law. And they were well respected by the people in the community. And Jesus says that the Son of Man must suffer at the hands of these people that you think are good. He doesn't say that he will suffer at the hands of criminals, at the hands of people behind bars, or people who got out of jail. He says he would suffer at the hands of the people that you think are so good. You see, this is the ultimate of God's grace. In condemning Jesus, these people condemn themselves. And so to this day, when I say the word Pharisee, you go, oh, the bad guy. They condemn themselves by condemning Jesus. Jesus' death demonstrates not only the, uh, the bankruptcy of the world, but it also reveals the character of God and His kingdom. Like, yeah, the world needs God, but look, look at the look at the character of God. The character of God is unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness, unconditional acceptance. All that you must do, He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what he asks you to do. Place your trust in this Almighty God. He doesn't say, listen, I will, I'll love you more if you go to church more. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, if you read the whole Bible through every month, I'll love you more. He, he doesn't say that. It, it, there is no system that you've got to do this before God. He loves you unconditionally. And so what he is, he's, he's a new kind of king. Remember last week we said, when, whenever he, he looked at uh, Peter and he said that you, Peter said, you are the Messiah... The, uh, the Christ, that word means the anointed one. That's the word of a king. And so he comes to him and he says, listen, the king is going to be killed and after three days rise again. Now he continues on. We're going to jump down to verse 34. And he summons the crowd. So now he's with the crowd and his disciples. And he said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, check this out. Look at this word here, if anyone. I want you to catch it. That means anybody. The invitation is the same. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The invitation is open to everybody, not just Jews, not just the disciples, not just the Gentiles. If anyone wants to come after me, you want to follow me, he's got to deny himself. God, I'm a sinner. This life is no longer about me. It's about you. Take up his cross. You know, Jesus said that he was going to die. And they're taken back by that. Now he's like, you're gonna, you want me to take my cross? That was a, a phrase known because of the Roman crucifixion. The, the, the Roman crucifixion, they would make them carry their own cross down to the place where they'd be crucified. He says, and follow me. Follow me. 
It's not about you anymore. It's not about what you want. He, he, he illustrates it more. He says, listen, verse 35. He says, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. And, and as you're looking at this, you're saying, well, what's he talking about? Is he, is he talking here that I've got to be somehow a martyr? And, and you know what? I thought about that. I thought, you know, when, throughout the years, boy, does this verse mean that he's talking about life as in the beginning and ending of my life, the number of days? Whosoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses it for my sake and the gospel's sake, not for your own sake, but for the gospel's sake, you will save it. You will find it. This word life is an interesting word there. Uh, in the Greek, you, you know, when we say life, we think life, like these many days. But you can also translate life to mean like you're full of life. You're like you, you've never been more alive than you are now. And so there's this other word that we could call it, put in there, self. Um, whoever loses himself. If you wish to save yourself, you will lose yourself. But who, whoever loses himself for my sake will find himself. And so the, the Greek word there is psyche. And, it, and you can, it can absolutely be translated to understand that this is your life. This is where you're getting yourself, your identity, your personality, your selfhood. What makes you uh, distinct? What makes you you? Uh, we hear people talking about identity all over this world. I choose my identity. And God says, listen, if you go to choosing all that, you're missing it. You've got to come to me and get your identity in me. He's, he's, he's not saying that you lose your sense of self. That would be Far Eastern religions. Uh, that would be a lot of Eastern religions. They tell you about self-denial and all that. He's not just talking about denying yourself and you're nobody. He's saying, lose yourself and you will find yourself. That's a different story. Uh, lose yourself and you will find yourself. I want you to thought, think about that. that. That's a pretty big thought. Lose yourself. If you lose yourself in him, your identity is no longer in you. It's now in Christ. He continues on. He says, For what does it profit a man if he gains... We'll go to the next slide. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Man, I've heard that many times. I said, oh, yeah. What's it, what's it matter if you, you have things and all that? You know? And No, that, it's a little bit bigger than that. What, would it, what does it profit if we were to go out and you were to give everything you have to find yourself and then you lose it? What, what, what would it matter if you died and you went to a Christless eternity in hell? What would it matter if you gave all of your stuff and you, 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 gave, you, you were successful in everything you did, you, everybody liked you here? And, well, listen, at the end of the day, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give, next verse, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will somebody give? And I'll tell you what, people give a lot. People will exchange everything. It's amazing. Uh, so what he's talking about here, he's talking about this. He's talking about your identity, the thing that makes you you. He's talking about, um, about your legacy. He's talking about your family, your children. You know, what happens is we have this culture where we get our values from something that is assigned. Let me show you this picture. You can make your identity off of that. You know, you wanted to be the... the the all-American family. You wanted to, you know, the all-American family has 2.4 children and a white picket fence. I don't know how, how you have the .4, but 
You know, I know how to have two. So you have 2.4 children in a white picket fence. When I was a kid growing up, Leave It to Beaver, man. I think it was the only show on TV. That's why I watch it every day. You know, I'd come home from school and watch Leave It to Beaver and, you know, June and Mrs. Cleaver. You know, she, she would vacuum with her pearls on. And, and you know, they, they made this model of a family. It was like, this is like a family. Like, these were the cool people. But that's how you're supposed to be. And then, you know, I come home and, and I, you know, I don't think there was even a pearl in our house, yellow my mom wearing them while she was vacuuming. Actually, I don't even know if we had a vacuum, to be honest. So it's like, you know, we, 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 we just kind of lived a little differently than, than leave it to Beaver, you know. And, uh, and I, I always felt like the Beaver because Eddie was always picking on me. And, and that's just how I always felt in life, right? So I, I could identify with this. And so as I set out to start my own family, I wanted to get I wanted to have the best family. And you can put all your eggs in that basket. But man, if you're getting your identity from that, you missed it. Because everything is temporary. Like, you look at at where you're getting your value, and you say, I'm identified as a good dad. And I'm going to be super dad. Guess what? I haven't met any super dads. I tried to be and I failed. I'm not super dad. Your dad tried to be and he failed. There's no super dads. Um, super moms, none of you have ever vacuumed with pearls on. You might even leave your engagement ring off. Your, your, or I guess your wedding ring. I guess that's what happens. Anyhow, you might leave your jewelry off. You know what I mean? You, 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 you may not even do your hair when you do the vacuum, right? Whenever you're doing all that. So, so I, I want you to catch this. Here's another thing. How about this? Look at this. Man, I want to have the best, happiest job. I want to love my work. Folks, there's a reason they call it work. Like, like. Like, there's no dream job. I, I love being a pastor, but I'll tell you what, my identity is not in the pastor, in being a pastor. Like, you know, like, like if I put all this in the, if, if I'm not a pastor, if I'm not a pastor, no, my identity is not in this. It's a great joy and it's a great privilege, but I'll tell you what, there's, actually, I've never sat at my desk like that. <laughs> if I do, I'll fall out of the chair. <laughs> You know, it's, it's like, it's like, listen, you, you go and you try to say, man, I just want to have the happiest. I'm going to be the happiest and my life's going to be so happy. And if I don't get it from my job, well, where are you going to get it? And it's going to come from God. Here's another one. How about reputation? Oh man, people live on this. Facebook, Insta, Twitter, all that stuff. Your reputation is out there. You know, look what I did today. Look what I had for dinner. I made asparagus. Oh, that's cool. You know, and if more people think I eat asparagus all day, I'll just give them a headshot so they know that I don't. Um, they'll think I have an excellent reputation because I cooked asparagus one day. And so we live over here. But what about when somebody doesn't like how you performed? I mean, you had really good asparagus and they don't give a flying flip. I, am I allowed to say that in church? I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden this this kind of. That was on video, too. I'm sorry. Anyhow, so you start to feel bad over here because you said something stupid in church. Like, you're going to go home and you're going to say, my reputation is ruined. Wow. I can't put my identity 
in what you think of me. Not today. How about this one? Performance. Man, I miss the bullseye all the time. Man, I, I work hard. But I miss it. I, I'm diligent at what I do. But my, in, my identity is not in that diligence. My identity is not in the fact that, look what Ken did. Because Ken sometimes misses the bullseye. And it comes in and sometimes I don't even hit, hit the board. And sometimes you don't either. And I, and I want to encourage you. Jesus said that the Son of Man must suffer so that you don't have to suffer those. You, you see, you don't have to live this anymore. You've been set free from performance. Oh, I, wait a minute. I'm not the best. I have problems. Yeah, God said over in James, he said, whenever we confess our faults one towards another, then the prayer of a righteous person avails much. Wow. You see, that's different than how we were taught. We were taught you get rewarded. Whenever you were a kid and you were on a sports team, the coach never took you out for uh, a party or ice cream after a loss. Except for my team, because we never won. But I, I want you to catch it. You've been set free from the performance trap. Whoever wishes to save his life, Mark eight thirty five. whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, not for your sake, not so that you'll feel good, not so that you'll have your identity. As a matter of fact, the whole world's picking their identity. God says, don't pick your identity. Find me. And I want to take you today. Find your identity in Christ. He says you don't have to be a slave to that. You don't have to be a slave to what people are thinking. You don't have to be a slave to performance. You don't have to be a slave to social media. You don't have to be a slave to anything. You have been set free in Christ, and you're now for my sake and the gospel's sake. You will find it. I like what C.S. Lewis says. He says the more we get now, uh, the more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way, and let him take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. Our real self is waiting in him. You see, the very thing that's driving you is a lack of understanding his love. You'll never be secure until you understand the security of his love. Now, you can lose your life for his sake because he has traded all those things he's traded them all in and he's given you his life and now you have life that you've never imagined that you'll be more alive if you'll follow Christ if you'll deny yourself take up your cross and follow him you will be more alive than you have ever been in your life and you don't have to play the game anymore Let's close in prayer. Will you respond to the Lord today? I realize what I've talked about is tough because there's a price to pay. And I realize today if I ask you to deny yourself, you're at that moment where you're in tears because if, if I deny myself, this means that I was wrong. If I deny myself, this means that God is right. And, and if I deny myself, this means that I'm your sacrifices. What, what does this mean? And, and you're scared. I, I want to take you to remember whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're His child. Identify and understand who you are in Christ. Not by what the world tells you. Not by what your parents told you. Not by what you tell yourself. But by who He is. Accept His love today. He loves you with your shortcomings. He loves you with the things that don't make sense in your life. He loves you with the things that you don't understand in God's Word that you're struggling with. He says, I love you. It doesn't matter. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you unconditionally. And all I want you to do is to deny yourself and follow me. If that's you here today or online, would you, would you join me in praying? I, I just want to encourage you. Just pray something like this to God. Dear God, I'm a sinner. And I'm in need of a Savior. God, today I deny myself. I'm not good enough to earn your love. No one's good enough to earn your love. You died on the cross because you love me. You were buried and you rose again. You came back to life again. And I trust you with my heart and soul. And for others, maybe God spoke to you and he had a chord in your heart. Maybe you have been getting your significance from somewhere outside of Jesus. May I take you to the cross. It's pain to surrender, but the joy that you will receive when you let him be Lord and let him be Savior, you will never go back. Father, be with each person as we all struggle, Lord. Day in and day out, we struggle to deny ourselves and follow you. Lord, I pray you'll do great things in our lives as we respond to your goodness and your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and we'll sing a closing song together. So when I'll
let you know that you're loved and you're adored by God. You may go in peace. You are dismissed. dark room in silence fuel imagination tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name the winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night sky I'm drifting off in the deep of the valley your presence You made it all.